Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Today, our guest is Dr. Sonia cunningham Labrette. She's an Amazon best-selling author, and she's also one that believes healing through words. Welcome, Dr. Sonia. Yes. Hello. It's wonderful to be here, Dr. Francis. Thank you for having me. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your I am happy to share that, as you stated, I am a veteran educator. I started as an English teacher I took on many different jobs. I was a bus driver. I was a tutor, a mentor, club sponsor. I just love youth and being around youth. So I did everything that I possibly could. I studied undergraduate at Clemson University. I received my master's from Clemson University and I did attend South Carolina State University, which is the only public university or HBCU in um, South Carolina. And I immediately started teaching. Three years after I graduated from high school, I started teaching at the alma mater that I, that I matriculated through. I taught newspaper journalism as, as well as different levels of English. And then I um, left and went to another school. And there I was tapped for administration. I became an assistant principal, left there, became a director of personnel in another district. I stayed in that position, which I loved for seven years. And then I was tapped and became an assistant superintendent for student services. I really enjoyed both roles, but because I love young people so much, going back into student services was a, well, going into student services was a great move for me. So I finished my career and right before I finished my career, I published my first short story in 2015, and then I published a second short story in 2015, which was the very same year that I published my first um, children's book, BJ's Big Dream. Right after that, I published two additional titles, and after that, I was just completely hooked on the publication process. And in March of 2016, I founded Hadassah's Crown Publishing. And the purpose of the um, business is to basically reach back and help others who need skills. Perhaps they need to be coached so that they can self self-publish or they just want to turn the entire manuscript over to me and say, here you go, because I am too busy or I just don't want to learn this. This is the only time I ever want to publish and I'll just let you do it for me. So we offer full services. And that again, we started in 2016. We are coming up on our fifth anniversary, the middle of this month. I'm sorry, sixth anniversary. And I'm extremely excited about that. Have just a few small things to do as far as celebrating that. But this is just the beginning. We have probably we're getting pretty close to 100 books on the shelf and we just continue to grow. It has been an ordained um, 
it's, it's just come from God. And I can see that in every aspect of it. It hasn't required a lot of marketing. Basically, it's been passed on word of mouth and I never have a dull moment. I'm pretty much busy as much as I want to be busy. And so God has truly blessed Hadassah's Crown Publishing. Someone's thinking about um, self-publishing or even writing a book. What is something that we should know as consumers that we don't know about your industry? Sometimes when someone writes something, they think that it's for the whole world. And that's generally not the case. We have to really figure out who exactly our audience is, because it's not everybody. So what is the age range? And then who is more more than likely to really gain from this work? Because again, while we want the whole world to read our book and to accept it and for it to be helpful to everybody, we have to learn the different categories, the different genres, age range. And then also when you look at anything for children, anywhere from preschool up to, or even board books for babies up through 12th grade, we have to talk about the reading level. So sometimes when people write, they haven't thought about those things, but we definitely have to have those conversations so that we make that, make sure that the print is the correct size, um, that we're not too bold and wild with our colors because we just want to make sure that we are as inclusive as we possibly can for that age range. And even maybe a colorblind blind child can read the print. So those are some things that have to be considered when you move from your idea of publishing into the actual publishing realm. And Dr. Sonia, congratulations on five years of um, success and, and actually helping with over um, you said almost 100 books or over 100 books on the shelves. What do you attribute your success to? This, as I said, was completely ordained by God. I struggled the last years of my educational career because I knew I was not going to stop working. It was a difficult transition or just thinking of leaving something that I love so much and that I had done for so very long. So I had growing pains and they were more intense when I didn't know what my next step was going to be, what I was going to do. I worked for people who had hobbies on the weekend. For example, the superintendents I worked for, they knew that they were going to play golf or there were coworkers who were going to go hiking or there, there were those who would... Um, fish. But I didn't really have anything that I really enjoyed doing except reading and writing. And I didn't really see how that was going to lead in a career for me until I actually published. And so I'm very grateful. And I just have to give a shout out to Minister Sarita Acker because she called me one day and said, um, didn't you want to publish? And I said, uh, yeah, I got something ready. Um, what What's up? And so she introduced me to um, the best-selling Christian author or a best-selling Christian author, Vanessa Miller, who is in Charlotte. She is um, preparing for a release of her, another book called Something Good. And she has tons of books on the shelf. She's been doing it for a long time, but she took the time to take some 
other people into the profession because she said, I won't be able to do this forever. I want to really kind of sew into somebody else's profession. And so it was a real blessing that she did that. And I have wanted to carry on that spirit and reach back and help those who, like I said, either aren't interested in learning the publishing business or just don't know where to get started. I really want to teach the skills or help someone else get published because it has truly made a difference in my life and it's been one of the best choices I've made. We want to welcome our guest, um, Dr. Sonia, to the the stage, but we also want to um, welcome any listeners that have a question for Dr. Sonia that they um, just let us know and we will bring them on the stage. So thanks again. So you talked about you you actually do the publishing, you'll help them write, or you could coach someone who would like to um, write their own book. So you're wearing many different hats. Talk about that area of expertise that you find is the most challenging in writing the book. Well, I will address that from the other side Um, often. And and I'm one who truly believes that everybody has a story and whoever chooses to share their story in the form of a book should. There are other schools of, um, of thought or philosophies where people say everybody can't write a book. Well, there are people who have very minimal education or very minimal communication skills who they dictate their story and other people write the book. That's why you have ghost writers, you have editors, you have people in the profession to help people get their books out there. And I won't call names, but there are people who have hundreds of books published yet they didn't sit down to write any of them. But it's okay because it's their wisdom that they're sharing with the world. So I do believe that everybody can have a book. What um, frustrates me sometimes is the condition of manuscripts that I receive and they have not been proofread or edited at all. And so I think sometimes that the expectation is that because I have an English background and I am a so-called publisher, then I will get it to the point that it needs to be so that it can be professionally done. But basically the packages that I include or what I include in my package includes proofreading, not necessarily editing or structural development where it's actually rewritten. So it, I would say to someone who wants to publish, have your notes ready, write it as best you can, and then pass it on to someone who can take it to the next level for you before you submit a manuscript to a publisher Pretend that you're in English class and you're submitting something that you want an A on. It should be in the best shape that it possibly can. And it's going to be something that readers really want to read. It's not just for you to put down all of your um, heartache and pain on paper so that, you know, it is therapeutic. It's cathartic to write. But when you're actually wanting something published, it has to go to many other levels, higher levels, so that it's desirable or it's something that's very readable 
and friendly to your customers and to your audience. We just have to be very careful with, you know, sometimes what we submit that we want out in the mainstream for people to purchase for money to read. What makes your publishing company different? There are other Christian publishers. And so actually I learned from Vanessa um, two things that she asked us not to do in our manuscripts was to use profanity or it describe a sex scene, for example. And so those are two things that I have definitely continued to have when I publish books. But I would say that, and I don't know about, you know, tons of other um, publishing companies, but we are very hands-on. I, you know, talk to authors. I try to coach them through everything. I try to explain the difference between them selling their own book versus getting Amazon royalties, getting um, Barnes and Noble or Ingram Sparks royalties, and just try to help them recoup their cost as quickly as possible, but also put them in a position to really monetize what it is they are sharing with the world. And so because of the six years that I have in the industry, whatever I've learned, I am really happy to pass on. And even lessons that I had to learn in a very expensive way, I've been willing to share that information with others just because that's the teacher in me and it truly comes out in the publishing as well. And so I try to operate in a very transparent manner so that those who take the journey with me learn and I am not intimidated in the least if someone comes with me the first time when they publish, but if they want to go out and do it themselves the second time, that lets me know that you know, you, you learned a lot that my teaching is effective and that you're, you know, willing to, to do it on your own. That's a compliment to me because you gain those skills from our sessions together. And what was your most costly lesson that you've learned being in the public? Well, when I say costly, it may have sounded like I was saying, you know, some a huge mistake or something like that. But I was referring to a process where I, um, you know, wanted more marketing or more more exposure for my first children's book. It was B- BJ's Big Dream. And I um, wrote the book, published it in November of 2016. But then in the spring, I met Valerie Lewis Coleman, and she is really good at marketing. So I was actually trying to figure out how I could get um, bulk copies of my book printed. And in the process, she said, well, what type of launch did you do for your book? And she started telling me about how she could coach me to make the book a bestseller. Well, you know, I knew when I went into the contract that there was a possibility that it might not happen. But the way she proposed it and everything that I saw in the contract were things that I needed. For example, I'm a an English major and I'm an educator. I was an administrator. I don't know a lot about marketing because business is not my background. That's not something that I've done because in the systems that I worked in, there were people there who did the marketing, the communications and all of that for the organization. 
So she has an engineering background, but she's been in the book industry for probably close to 30 years now. And so she took me under her wings. And every single week, we spent two hours together. This was from March up until July. And the great thing is the book did become a bestseller, but what I learned from her was invaluable. There were some things that I had to improve regarding my book, the way it was presented, and just that one-on-one time was was wonderful. So it was costly because, you know, she's a professional who really knows her craft and her trade and had spent a lot of time in the industry. And so those are lessons that I won't necessarily say I give away for free, but you know, like I said, if if there's something that I know that can help someone else, I'm not afraid to share that. Fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. Thank you, thank you, thank you, pandemic, because so many people were closed and closed in their homes. They couldn't go anywhere. And so they pulled out those journals that, you know, everybody has that drawer full of journals. They pulled them out and they wrote in them. And I wasn't publishing a whole lot that year. But then the next year after the, you know, initial quarantine, my phone was ringing off the hook. And it has been since then because people had that desire, but they never had time to sit down and to really put their thoughts on paper. And so the pandemic really pushed things to another level for me in 2021 and then also now in 2022. Talk about a few of the um, books that you've published and which one or a couple have really excited you and why? That's a difficult question. And so I want any author listening to this to know that every book has truly been special. And I have published about 10 myself. Now, some of those are short stories and anthologies with other writers. Um, I would say working on my dad's book, which is his um, biography or his his autobiography that my sisters and I contributed to, other family members contributed, um, his friends. It was just a great time to really learn things about him that maybe stories he had told us before, but when you have to put something on paper, you have to listen so intently that you get the um entire listen intensely so that you were able to get the real gist of the story as well as the details and then you have to you know put it on paper you learn even more and you have a greater appreciation and to have that opportunity was just phenomenal his book has been really well received and he's he's a very charming man i have to say that myself and so he will meet people at the gas station. He'll meet people at McDonald's and say, hey, I wrote a book. And they're like, oh, well, where's your book? Let me get a copy. And so I, I would imagine that he's probably been the bestseller that there has been for Hadassah's Crown Publishing. Then my son, he graduated from Coastal Carolina University, and he decided he wanted to put together a children's book. And that warmed my heart because he had been on a few school visits with me. And I just really wondered what he was thinking when he just was kind of sitting back and observing. 
And then, you know, he came to me a few days after we got home. He said, I have an idea and I think I'm going to put it on paper. So working with him through that process was great. Right now, um, I have the opportunity to, I can't um, spill the beans yet. I I can't get ahead of them with the marketing, but some law enforcement uh, retirees who together have over a hundred years of service and they want to reach back. Well, they want to tell their stories, but they also want to encourage anyone in law enforcement and anyone going into law enforcement in the future. They also want to weigh in on what's going on with the call for defunding the police and just some other things. So I've had an opportunity to work with some great people, so many that, you know, it's very hard to you know, really be able to give them all a shout out, but I've been very blessed to have some wonderful projects come my way. Thank you, Dr. Sonia. And again, we want to thank the audience for listening. And if anyone has a question, um, feel free to let us know. So when someone hears um, Dr. Sonia about you're a Christian publisher, is there... um, You know, someone may think that you only publish Bible stories or, um, you know, why don't you just explain the difference in specifically you did talk about no profanity and some other um, requirements, no sex scenes. Is there anything else? Is there like other topics that's off limits or if someone is saying, oh, gosh, I'm like a health and wellness person and I want to write a book but she's a Christian publisher, Um, can I still go to her? Yes, you most definitely can, as long as there's nothing that is contradictory to, you know, the Christian faith. For example, I have had... um, I'm, and I'm drawing a blank as far as a, a specific example, but I do a number of children's books. And I have to be honest, in a lot of ways, children's books are my my strength and where I really find joy and pleasure because they're so fun. The illustrations come in and often they're just so colorful and just they really capture the audience. So those are fun and they're really fun to lay out. And in many ways, they're, they don't require the intense um, sitting and reading and then reading over and then just having this fear that you're going to miss even a preposition or a, um, some you didn't put the make one verb plural or something of that nature. So children's books are, for me, just somewhat relaxing and they don't always talk about the Bible or Bible stories. They're just positive, encouraging messages to children, and they may just be a story that someone is sharing. And so many of my books are biographies, and lately it seems that I've done a lot of books that deal with, unfortunately, sexual abuse, spousal abuse, domestic violence, those type things. And Honestly, what I like to read when I accept a manuscript is that there has been forgiveness rather than someone just basically bashing their abuser. Hopefully, by the time they've written, they've gone through the healing process so that they're not just putting their anger on paper and it's a release and they're not, you know, looking at this as a way to get revenge. 
Um, and so I have had, you know, a couple people to come to me. And it's really interesting because I really pray over every manuscript. And it's interesting that in two situations, I've had people come to me and they're carrying so much anger and bitterness that it things just did not work out. The whole interaction, communication and everything went south. And so I had to basically just say it's best that we part ways. And in those cases, I have given back every single penny, even if I've spent hundreds of dollars, maybe getting a copyright, an ISBN or anything of that nature. I've spent many hours editing. But at the end of the day, I don't want an author representing the brand who is bitter, who has used the platform to just basically, you know, flash someone or to talk about their anger. And it's not to me, I don't don't think a great Christian practice, too, if there hasn't been healing and forgiveness to really, really, really share that story. So that's just one example uh, or just a couple of examples. But then at the same time, as long as it's positive, there's a positive message where people can grow, whether it's spiritually, physically, mentally or emotionally, then I'm on board. For example, my son and my nephew are personal trainers and they want to do something together to, you know, just help people have better eating habits and better physical fitness habits. And so, you know, those definitely fall in line with what we're doing here. Now, can someone come to you? I know that you're a publishing company. Can someone come to you and say, I have an idea. I want to write a book. Um, I want you to help write it, but I want to self-publish it. I've had a number of requests for ghostwriting. And honestly, because publishing is so very intense and time consuming, that is not something that I've really had an opportunity to help with. I have had some online coaching sessions or I've done some classes. I had a class a couple of years ago through Teachable. And I've also had some sessions where I just say, you know, let's do a Saturday afternoon or maybe a Sunday afternoon and online, we will put our ideas on paper and I'll lead you through the writing process and get you started. And then we can do check-ins. And to be honest, those have not been very well um people just haven't really taken advantage of those. It is like a lot of people really want the one-on-one -on -one writing, coaching. And again, it's very difficult to do that. And so for most practical purposes, I let people know when you have your manuscript, that's a good time to contact me. Now, I do talk with people when they're first putting their ideas on paper and they just want to run something by me and say, I just kind of want to get your blessings and get your, you know, um, ideas. And, and maybe they may even send me a few pages just to you know, see if they're going in the right direction and that type thing. And as best I can, I may check in with them and just see how things are going. Is there anything I can do to help? To help? But because there are over 70 authors at this time and, you know, they contact me when they want to um, purchase more books or they're having an event and they want me to post a flyer for them or they're just calling with some type of question, maybe thinking about their next book. It's 
I just don't have a lot of time to really encourage the writing and coach the writing the way I would love to. But just maybe, you know, as we continue to grow and I have more people that I'm contracting with, that may be something that I can spend more time doing. Dr. Sonia, what is your zone of Wow, that's a great question. You know, it's funny because I feel the whole time, the entire time I was in education, my creativity was somewhat stifled. Now, when I get to lay out, in particular, a children's book and play with the the design, play with the cover, I love that creativity. And one thing that I want to do is spend time going to graphic design school. So I'll just say that, you know, it's creativity. I love hands-on, playing with things. Um, Today, I wanted a um, new wreath for my front door. And I looked online, I saw some things I liked. And I said, but you know what? I'm going to run over to to Michael's or to Hobby Lobby. I'm going to make my own just the way I want it. And so since I have retired, I have really come more in touch or I'm more in tune with my creative processes. And so that's been one of the great things. It's segmenting into my retirement career that I can be more creative and that there is more time for, for that type thing. Let's take a snapshot of the last 30 days. What was your biggest win? My biggest win has been organizing my master calendar so that I get all of the demands done that I need to. For example, I decide you know, which books I'm going to work on, which days. And in the last 30 days, I've spent two days with a school district where I was able to do some consulting. And on a Saturday, I had over, well over a hundred students and their parents online. And I was able to read to them the poetry of Amanda Gorman. And the questions that they asked, the questions that they answered, their level of participation truly warmed my heart. And then last Wednesday, I was able to read again for the entire school system. And so my goal and the, the goal of the person that I was working with, um, the director of Title I for their district, we do these sessions to really encourage students to read. And so I decided that for Black History Month, I wanted to really focus on poetry. And Amanda Gorman, I felt, is someone that they can really, the children can really relate to because she's so young and she's so fashionable, but she is so brilliant and her works are amazing. So we purchased for many of the schools, the three of three books by her. And again, we studied the, the poetry. We talked about the different types of um, figurative language that they can include in theirs. And then lastly, I offered them the opportunity, regardless as to what level they're at, elementary, middle, or high school, they can enter a poetry contest because I truly wanted them to take what they had learned from those sessions 
and have the confidence to put it on paper, send it to me, and I'm going to select a winner from each of those three levels. So in the midst of everything that I have going on as far as paying author, author royalties, ordering books, talking to new clients and following up with people who just recently published, there are so many demands that, you know, a person in my shoes has, but I was able to get that done. And I felt really good about those sessions with those students. And I feel very confident that students who had not paid a lot of attention to poetry because they saw Amanda with her chic self, they possibly are writing right now so that they can try to win that contest. So what I'm saying is with a full busy calendar, I was able to still reach back and spend some time with some children. And that just really made the past 30 days extra special. So are you taking new clients and reading new manuscripts? On a limited basis, it's very funny because I took on a substituting assignment as an administrator at a high school back in August when school first started. I just, I really miss it. And I've had trouble or had a difficult time staying out of the, the educational profession. I was working on my taxes earlier and I noted that I started off the year teaching adjunct for Webster University. And then I took that assignment in um August and then I was close to taking another assignment and it's like I, I would but it's just too much for me to try to handle the business and then work as well so I say all of that to say on in August of last year I placed on the front of my website in very big letters we are not taking manuscripts um, please follow up here in the future for updates and that has not slowed things down, not one bit. I was hoping that I could possibly go to perhaps two manuscripts a month that I would actually accept and actually take through the publishing process. But it's been way more than that. And so I will never take on more than I can handle. And of course, I don't take everything that's submitted because some things have to be sent back sometimes with some feedback as far as how it can be developed or improved. But at the same time, um, I, I still want to just for my sanity and peace of mind and for me to have more time to just enjoy life and relax, I may go to, you know, to no, no more than three manuscripts a month. But it's been super busy um, over the last, I would say, six to eight months. So if someone is interested in reaching out to you, give them the, your website. It is Hadassah's Crown Publishing. Hadassah has two S's. So it's H is in Henry, A is in Apple, S is in Sam, S is in Sam, A is in Apple, D is in Dog, A is in um, Apple, and then H is in Henry with an S crown as in the type of crown that a king or queen would wear publishing.com Dr. Sonia talk about mental health and managing a business wow so I alluded to that just a few minutes ago that for my mental and emotional help two to three manuscripts a month are really 
all that I should be taking because it's important for me to try to get out and get fresh air as often as I can to take a walk either in my neighborhood or in my in the park nearby um, to be able to just spend time with family or friends or whomever. Um, So between the publishing, which can be I won't even say nine to nine every day. Sometimes it's nine until 1 a.m. in the morning. I just have to make myself leave the computer so that my eyes can have a rest and and can be healthy. Um, I have to to constantly make myself, you know, take a break and I need to schedule more things in for myself purposefully. For example, one weekend out of the month, I just need to say, okay, I'm going to get away because we have to make time for downtime, time for fun, time for play. And then self-care is so very important, making sure that, you know, we keep our bodies up, we keep our minds strong, and we just really do things to just kind of unwind. It can never, and it should never be all about business all of the time. And so I'm still very active in my church. I'm active in my sorority. I'm also active in um, the alumni for the historically black college and university that I attended. And with functions of all of those, even though I work from home, it seems that every night just about there's a Zoom meeting. So I just really have to be very careful. And I, you know, caution all business owners or entrepreneurs or people who work every day. It has to be intentional that we spend time taking care of ourselves. We need hobbies. We need to do things that we really, really enjoy. Even though I really enjoy reading books all of the time, I can't do that all of the time and keep my mental sanity. I have to plan something else just to, you know, get a break from it. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or a business that dominating that you admire. I admire many different ones, but right now at the forefront, I think We Buy Black is special because they really work hard to make sure that Black businesses who don't have a voice or may not be really seen or heard have their products marketed in one from one storefront. Um, so I think that's great. And then there is um, one that's similar. It's actually similar to Amazon in Africa, and it's called Jumia. It's one that my son has introduced me to. And so we are watching that company and just seeing how their logistics are growing and how just you know, things are really blooming and blossoming for those companies. And so I just wish them the best and hope to see them continue in in all of what they're doing. Let's talk about um, books. What are you reading and why? I am usually reading a number of books. I ordered, well, the book that I read to the children One of them was Change Things by Amanda Gorman. And then the other one that I read, I read to them this last Wednesday, um, the 
the hill we climb because of course that was from the inauguration and so then she has another poetry anthology which is called call us what we carry and so that's what I'm reading right now. Of course, I'm reading my Sunday school lesson every single week. And then I have a devotional right now. I'm reading a Jeremiah Wright devotional. I'm sorry, um, David Jeremiah devotional. I'm also reading um, my Bible study lesson that we do every single Wednesday on top of everything that I'm reading to proof and just make sure books are in perfect condition before they go out. So I am forever reading and I truly enjoy, enjoy that. And it's just so very necessary in life. But at the same time, I'm reading because tax laws have changed and it's that time of year. And I just have to learn and, and keep up to have a business and know what's required and what I need to do and how I need to rethink things for next year. So what have you not done in life that you dream about often that you would? One place I have not been is to Italy. And so one thing you asked me, what gifts did the pandemic give me? And so I said that, but, uh, and I don't want to, you know, be negative, but one thing that the pandemic has taken from me is the thought or the ability to just travel and not be any more anxious than I already am sometimes when I do travel, but I want to get to Italy and then I have a number of other places that I want to go. And so I, I said all of that to say when I retired, that was one of the goals or the dreams that I had for my retirement. I'll be able to, you know, really work on my bucket list and get to so many of those places that I've wanted to go, but I just haven't felt free to just move about the whole planet the way I wanted to because I just don't want to go somewhere and end up being sick and then can't get back home or come back home sick. So that's really slowed me down some, but hopefully soon I'll be back up in the air and I will get to some of those places I've been wanting to go. Dr. Sonia, talk to a younger you. What advice would you give to a young To a younger me, I would say start reading all of the time or as much as you, you could have when you were younger. Um, I didn't read so fast when I first started reading, and it was because books weren't my passion. I didn't start really enjoying books until I received the right books. And I have to give credit to Maya Angelou because she was definitely one of the best authors that I had ever written or read um, when I was young. And then I was introduced to Walter Dean Myers and then my junior, my teacher, my English teacher, my junior year in high school during our Black History Month she really introduced us to a lot of books from the Harlem Renaissance. And so I realized just how much I was in, interested in reading books by Black authors. And had I been introduced to those books when I was younger, I think my interest level would have increased a lot. But I do believe that, you know, while I didn't do bad in school, I just wish that I had really had a love for reading a whole lot 
um, sooner. And so when I had lots of time during the summer, rather than playing or watching TV, I would have been sitting there with a book. The word is play. What did you do today to play? To play, actually, I um, just sat in my car and soaked in the sun. I didn't have time with um, some of the errands that I had to run to actually get to the park the way I wanted to, but I was able to get some vitamin D through the car window um, because I was able to get out. And, and so that was a really nice time for me just to relax and to just kind of clear my mind, get away from the computer screen, the, the ringing phone and the demands of being home because being at home can be somewhat difficult because when you're not working, you see, oh, this load of clothes need to be done and, and I need to take out dinner and it's always something to do. And so sometimes you just have to step away from that so that you can really get a break and just enjoy life for a moment and just take a moment to steal away. You had mentioned that there's a book in all of us. And when we think about writing a book, someone would say, why should I write a book? I would say to that person, yes, there are billions of books out there. And it seems like every time you get on Facebook or any type of social media, somebody else has become an author. And it apparently must be one of the easiest things you can do right now because any and everybody is becoming an author. Well, the world has many, many books, but they don't have your book. They may have one similar because I recently published a book called The Butterfly Effect. And it's interesting because I already had two books on my shelf with that very same title. And I know the authors of each one, but they are so very different in their content. And so I say all of that to say that while there are many books about, you know, sexual abuse or spousal abuse or biographies, your story hasn't been told the way you can tell it. And so I still encourage you, don't ever let the number of books or anyone's, you know, negative words keep you from writing a book and publishing if that's what you want to do. And I will say it this way, I heard it and it just really stuck and resonated with me that there are a lot of books, un no, there are a lot of unwritten books lying in graveyards. And so will you release yours or will you take it with you? Speaking of legacy, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I truly want to be remembered as someone who helped. And I want to be remembered as someone who would help anybody. I remember being a, a high school teacher and um, it was said of me that some of the students that I taught, some of the teachers laughed. They said, I wouldn't take those students to my mailbox, but I would take any students that I taught on field trips because I knew they needed that exposure. And when students, when you put that level of confidence in students and you let them know that you're not ashamed to take them anywhere and that you have high expectations that they'll know how to act, 
you see something that you may not see in the classroom. And of course, we know too that students act differently for different people based on our level of care for them. And so I just want to be remembered as somebody who would do anything to try to help anybody and to try not to ever look at somebody as if they don't have the means or the capability or the capacity. I want to treat everybody the way I want to be treated. And so I hope that's what the students that I've taught remember about me. And I hope that's what the authors that I have worked with remember about me as well. You talked about your specialty or one area that you really love is um, children's books. And if someone is interested in writing a children's book um, and they are, how would that process work for an illustrator? So depending on the age range that the book is for, that will determine the wording and the actual number of spreads. But just as an example, we will say children's book for children between ages four and eight. That book would require 12 spreads. So that means that once the manuscript is written, it should only have about 800 words. So generally when you write, you write a good bit more than what needs to actually remain. And so I have been, I think, instrumental in helping authors to go back and, and get rid of some of the wordiness, kind of clean that up, make it as succinct as possible. Because remember, children between the ages of four and eight, they're not going to sit there and read a, a book for an hour, not one book. So you want to make it as succinct as possible. Once you have those 800 words, then you're going to divide it up into 12 different sections. And so then you will write a description for the illustrations for each of those different sections in some cases. Now, some illustrators don't want your suggestions. They don't want to know what you want to see they want to just take the story and illustrate it the way they see it. And so it just basically depends on the author and the illustrator's relationship. Um, it's different with self-publishing than it is with traditional publishing, because once you submit your tran tran your transcript or manuscript, You will see it when it's almost ready for publication and you don't have a lot of say as far as whether they change the title, um, how the illustrations look and those type things. But with self-publishing, you do get to get give some input. So you do, like I said, have those 12 spreads, the illustrations, you get a choice of having the illustration on the left side of the spread or the right side, or it can be full bleed where it stretches across the entire page. But those are just some preliminary things to think about as far as the design of the children's book. And then, of course, um, you know, the colors that you want to use. And when communicating with an illustrator, it's good to say, I would like to use stick figures or I want these to look like, you know, real people. Sometimes people might pass on pictures of the, the people that they want their characters to look like. And so then the illustrator actually draws the caricatures that match the. The, um, the characters. So 
just a fun field, creative process that I love to be a part of, like I said. And it's it's really like waiting on Christmas when in your inbox, you know, you're going to get to see those next illustrations. It's, it's just very exciting to see what that illustrator has come up with next. That's just so very bold and colorful and just, you know, captivating. So do you help the, um, in your in your um, publishing, do you help find the illustrators or the authors are finding the illustrators or both? It's some of both, but I strongly encourage the author to work directly with the illustrator because sometimes there's so much back and forth that it really is difficult for a middle person because when an author puts their ideas on paper, they have in their mind what they want their illustrations to look like. Some do. Now, not all, because some will say, whatever the illustrator does, I trust him or her. I've seen their work. I know they can take this and even, you know, bring me back something that I wouldn't even think of. And that's the thought in the traditional publishing world where the illustrator knows a whole lot more about what needs to be on that canvas than the actual author. So some people just really stay out of it. But then some people want to really dictate to the illustrator exactly what they want to see. And when you work with, you know, people who have those desires, it's best to let them communicate directly because one illustration may need three, four, five revisions. And if that's the case, like I said, it's very difficult to have a middle person in there. Dr. Sonia, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer. You asked a great question about the legacy or what, how I would want to be remembered. I would like to ask the question, how is it that Hadassah's Crown Publishing should be known? What should its reputation be? And that reputation is the title of tonight's um, podcast, Healing Through Words. And it it began with children's books because each one of my books has a message. It's a story and hopefully it's illustrated in a cute manner that draws children in. But when they finish, I hope they understand that they can be leaders. I hope they understand that they are special. They are uniquely designed and they all have a purpose. So my books teach messages, positive messages to try to inspire and equip children. And then for adults, any book that I publish, I want it to have the same thing so that when people actually read and study the book, they're better off and they're not only for themselves internally, it's a better world because if people are really reading and internalizing these books, then we're going to have better people with better character, you know, treating people well and not repeating the um, mistakes of the past. Because when you talk about child abuse, for example, we have to talk about it. You know, people sometimes say another one of those books. Oh, my goodness. Well, we we have to bring to light what has been left in the dark. And it's not fun. It's not pretty. I don't enjoy 
you know, even having to spend the time that I do with books that talk about child abuse, for example. But if we don't talk about it, then how can we make things better for our next generations, our future generations? So I hope our books are powerful. They're teaching and they're leaving society in a better place. Before we jump into our final segment, I would like to just ask again, thank the audience for um, tuning in. And if there's a question that they have for Dr. Sonia, uh, we definitely do not want to conclude without them asking that question. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. Are you ready for the Rapid Round of Fun? Let's go. Your favorite color? Red. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Your ideal car? Range Rover. Your first job? Bojangles. The last movie you saw? Oh, my long story short. You relaxed doing what? Kicking my feet up and having my head back. Your favorite singer or rapper? Wow. Let me think. Let me think. It's got to be a gospel group. Right now, I just say Tasha Cobb Leonard. Your favorite dance song? That's a good one. The Wobble. What food do you eat every week no matter what? Avocado. Your favorite month? May. Work out or hit the couch? Work out. Dr. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with the audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you? Feel free to leave all your social media handles. All right. So again, our website is HadassahsCrownPublishing.com. You can reach us at at gmail.com. We are on Facebook as Hadassah's Crown Publishing. We are on Instagram, Hadassah's Crown Publishing. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sonia Leverett or LinkedIn as Dr. Sonia Cunningham Leverett. And I believe that's all for now. We do have a, a YouTube channel as well, Hadassah's Crown Publishing. You can reach us by phone at 864 864- Six nine two three four one eight. Again, that's eight six four six nine two three four one eight. We are on Eastern Standard Time. If you leave a message, if we're not available, we will get back with you within twenty four hours. Thank you, Doctor Sonia. That's a wrap. Thank you, Dr. Francis. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. And thank you again to all the audience for tuning in. Appreciate you.